Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things Husky Hockey, college hockey, everything fun that's good in the world is right here on this podcast. Weldy sitting along with Andrew. We took a couple of weeks off, non-COVID related issues, just total normal for this time of year. So we're good. We're not uh, depleted. We don't have any any wear and tear. We're going to keep chugging along, unlike Michigan, who decided to just up and quit hockey games if they don't feel like they're up to it. I didn't know that Wolverines were scared of horses. Considering that the Wolverines barely made it out of Lawson, you know, with the win, they had to get a little bit of luck and good favor and calls on their side for that after getting trounced at home. You know, it makes sense why they would be a little bit scared. Yeah, and I wonder if, uh, it w- is it maybe like Pearson used to coach Tech? It's like, we'll give Tech their game, but we'll cancel. I mean, either that or if maybe te- if Western Michigan wasn't as hot this year, which one would they have canceled? Because they can only, they only got one game in them this week. Apparently. I mean, I mean, they can't, they can't do anymore. It's so, it's so tough. Uh, you just have to feel for the small, small schools like Michigan who have too many good players that are in the world juniors that they just have to quit like that. Just really makes you think. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's tragic. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and yeah. it was already, it was already a great GLI this year, <laughs> which they, they sort of gutted that because we need to strip away the, the tournament, the actual tournament format. Uh, and and go to campus sites, which the campus sites, shockingly, being the Big Ten uh, schools with Michigan, Michigan State getting those home games, even though it is a Tech tournament. Like Tech was the the team that initially started the GLI 50, 60 years ago or whatever it was. But it was always kind of a way for them to showcase the uh, the the hockey downstate in in Detroit. And from what I've been hearing, that's it might not ever go back to, to Detroit. Um, and so it was already sort of on life support this year. And now Michigan goes and, and does this, which is, I mean, I, I was, you know, when you, when you showed that to me earlier, I said that should count as a forfeit. I mean, that's, there's no good reason uh, to, to do this. But let's hit pause on this really quick and let's just say, Hey, well, let's go back for our viewers our our listeners here and just be like, so we're all on the same page. Cause this actually just broke, you know, five hours ago right. or so, you know, just before the pod. We're so, breaking news here. We're, we're, yeah, this is what's the, uh, what's the Barrero sound effect. Doesn't he have some kind of, or is it Barrero? Is it common? Yeah, it's, you had it right there. So, so hot off the wire, hot off the teletype. Um, Michigan, uh, athletic Department released a statement uh, announcing uh, today that the Great Lakes Invitational Contest scheduled for Thursday, December 30th, has been canceled due to health and welfare protocols within the Wolverines program. Uh, that's all the statement said, but you go over to the Michigan Daily, which I believe is the student-run periodical, for the uh for, for the campus for Michigan said that the team spokesman told the daily that playing games on back-to-back nights would create wear and tear on the already depleted roster the spokesman maintained that the cancellation is not covid-19 related now it would make sense if this was covid-19 
related just because you know what the omicron virus or uh, variant and i mean nhl right now took a little bit of a hiatus because everything was out of control and you know of how much more contagious the strain is it's you know it would make sense if it was something where okay yeah you do have you know four or five i can't remember how many people playing in the world juniors and then you get hit by covid okay you know it's that that happens or you know I guess that's our normal now, uh, but but if it's not COVID related and they're just just saying, oh, back to back games and we already have so many people, we we just can't do it. And you know they're already they are playing the night before, so they're playing Michigan Tech. But the game against Western Michigan, which obviously I mean that's what us show has that is the three versus four tilt. So I mean that's that that's huge pairwise implications um, that that are kind of at stake here. Uh, I did look that you know Michigan does hold the three to one comparison advantage there, but Western Michigan gets that win. It's three to two, you know that's a switch of the RPI. Who knows, you know what? I so there there's a thought process that Michigan has a lot more to lose. Maybe I've got a tinfoil hat on. Maybe my conspiracy brain is is flowing here, but you just have to kind of raise your eyebrow at this and just be like, this this is an incredibly shady thing to do. Um, at this juncture of the season, where you know Michigan is effectively just saying, "Now nah, we're good. We don't, we don't, we don't want to play you uh, because you know, for us, we've got too many good players playing in the World Junior." You wonder why people don't like the Big Ten hockey conference and <laughs> this kind of attitude of we'll play one of the games, but but not both. We'll play one of the games against the smaller schools, but you know, not 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 two. We can't. We're too good for that. Yeah, and I I don't think that they should be just... I mean, I, I could see maybe if they're going to reschedule it. I mean, that still is pretty dirty pool to cancel a game in, to, in this manner. But give give Western Michigan the the game. I, I don't know. I would be sputtering. I kind of am right now. I'd be really uh, sputtering if I was Fershweiler or anyone involved with the Western Michigan program. Because this is uh, this is a first. I mean, teams play with maybe not five guys in the World Juniors, but I mean, uh, North Dakota is going to play games without Sanderson. Teams, you know, Saint Cloud played without Paling a couple years ago when when he was at the World Juniors. I mean, yeah, five guys is a lot, but at the same time, we, we we've had games without our head coach. I mean, it's right. It, it just yeah. doesn't make it just doesn't make sense. And, and it's not like you don't have the bodies. You're, you're scratching guys. You got practice squad guys. You got a club team. You could bring up some of those guys for a, to play a game for you. I mean, I don't know is, if, this, if NCAA allows club team to be treated as as like AAA baseball players. But I get well, your well. I mean, but I'm saying you 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 can replace five bodies. Don't tell me that. I mean, St. Cloud with Jack Johnson. I mean, we've got a number of guys that don't get in the can't crack the lineup anyway. I'm I would be shocked if Michigan didn't have a couple of guys that have been healthy scratches all year long that you could have plugged in there. Um, this again, just does. You're you're a healthy you're you're a healthy scratch for Michigan, like one of the more prestigious programs. I mean, asterisks because so many of their championships were when you know there were nine teams in the college hockey but but still i mean people will you know historically have fought really hard to be on that team you're scratching people with so much talent 
I'm pretty sure you're going to be okay. And, you know, normal, you know, wear and tear for people who are being scratched in and out of the lineup, you know, give them a chance. And effectively, you're robbing them of ice time. I mean, I would be miffed if I was those players. Yeah, and, I mean, the World Juniors goes two weeks in its entirety, almost two weeks, maybe 10 days, um, 12 days or something like that. And it ends on the 6th of January, which is the final game. Michigan has a, uh, a weekend series that weekend, Saturday, Sunday, against UMass, which I've been kind of looking forward to that because and I was also looking forward to this Western Michigan game for the same reasons that Michigan, like the other Big Ten schools, kind of play a crappy non-conference schedule, a bunch of Atlantic hockey teams at home. They just played the Niagara last month and, and, and those, kind of, those kind of games. So it's nice to see a, a series with defending champion UMass at, at Yoast Back-to-back series, though, and we've seen this before coming off of World Juniors. A lot of times those guys coming back, even if it's a couple of days before a series, they'll still leave those guys out just because they've been playing 10 games in two weeks or so. So are we going to do this now next week as well where maybe we got to push that or scrub one of those UMass games? I, again, it's a terrible excuse, and... I don't really see why they, they're getting away with not having to forfeit the game. I mean, even with COVID, I mean, I was listening to the, the CHN podcast, and they're kind of saying, does the thing where COVID scratches these games, is that going to, how long is that going to continue? Because they remember, you know, not too long ago, five, 10 years ago, there'd be teams that were ravaged by the flu that had to play yeah. a game with 16 guys last last year in the, uh, NCHC tournament wasn't it Denver and uh, CC as well CC yeah both of them had you know five six guys out and they played the games uh, is it is it really does it make that much sense to completely scrub a series for this um, that's one debate that you could have but when they're going out there and saying it has nothing to do with COVID well tough you know what you either play the game shorthanded or you, you you give the game to Western if that's more important to you to not play the game, then you you give up the paralyzed points. Uh, I I don't. I hope this is something that uh, coaches and whatnot talk about at their off season meetings uh, to not only not only address what they do with COVID kind of situations like this, not like this, but COVID situations in general, but especially something that's not related to COVID. You can't, this is a terrible uh, precedent. You can't just leave this out there as an option for coaches to say, well, you know, we got a bunch of guys at the World Juniors, so you don't get to play the game today. Uh, I, I think they got to address that. So not, not happy about this. And just looked at the rule book here a little bit, so I didn't really get a chance maybe next week, you know, when I get a chance to actually look into more details about what constitutes a forfeit, forfeit or what has to, you know, be in place for it to be a forfeit or things like that. But if this is some kind of a loophole that Michigan is exploiting here, yeah, it definitely needs to be closed. Now, we haven't heard anything about, you know, the NCAA pushing any type of rules saying that, you know, this will be a loss for Michigan and a win for Western. Or or play it on a Tuesday in February or something. I mean, it's not like you don't have days in the week to make this game up. 
see now that would even tick me off i think a little bit more it's like no we'll we'll play you on our terms when we I mean, get yes, all of that... our best players back i would yeah, if i was western that's... i would tell you to go pound snow yeah yeah that's a good point but as you said i i didn't realize i hate the fact that the head-to-head you had mentioned that Michigan is up three to one in the pairwise mm-hmm. uh, comparisons. I hate the fact that they're given a full win there for that overtime win, uh, where yeah. that that counts evenly. So they're head to head right now. Take everything out. Take the common opponents and the RPI out. Just that head to head is one to one, an even one to one. Whereas Michigan, Western Michigan, beat them in, in regulation, and then they lost them in overtime. That the three on three gimmick overtime. Yeah, yeah, they need that needs to be. I know that there's the RPI has a weighting of the uh, of the overtime, but giving a full win on that is not correct. They need to at least put 0.5 or something in that more accurately, or 0.55 if they really wanted to be accurate. They need to do that. So that annoys me there. And this was an opportunity for Western, as you said, to kind of have a tiebreaker of effect with the head-to-head at least you're getting a, a second full win against them but that opportunity has now gone by the wayside so yeah as you said it uh definitely benefits michigan more than it benefits western western michigan yeah. and another one's yeah, that I, 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 it, it stinks it stinks and you know you you bring up a good point too that you know i think people get drifted a little bit by the pairwise um where it's nice to go back and just kind of explain a little bit about how the pairwise really calculates, you know, the number itself, not just the RPI, because, you know, the RPI is essentially a, a tiebreaker. It's one of the, it's one of it is the, the tiebreaker. Yeah. It's the, it's, it is the, one of the criteria of the three. Um, and then it's the default tiebreaker if uh, the rest are tied. Um, so the, uh, other ones are a record against common opponents and then head to head. Um, and the common opponents record is worth one point and the head to head each game is worth one point. And then you count out all those points and then you win or lose that comparison with that specific team. So you're stacked up against every other team. They compare that way and then they rank how many teams you beat essentially, and that's what gives you your pairwise. And so. mostly, I mean, the RPI, if you look at the RPI standings, they're pretty damn close to the pairwise. I mean, yeah. but pairwise gives you the opportunity if you win three out of four against a conference opponent um, or you sweep a season series, something like that, uh, you, can, you can really hop the standings and the pairwise uh, much more so than if it's just going straight RPI. But for the most part, the RPI is, is going to give you this, roughly the same amount of teams. Maybe the uh, standings are going to be a little bit different. But RPI is mostly what, what counts. But as you said, there's, there's more to that. and um, It used to be more complicated, too. I mean, there used to be the teams under consideration uh, criterion, the Tuck Cliff. The Tuck Cliff. Um, <laughs> and which they found out after many years that there was a serious flaw in that where I think it was like Michigan or uh, I think it was Wisconsin against Anchorage 15 years ago or so where they were playing in the playoffs. Anchorage wasn't bad. They were decent that year, but 
CHN was all over this where I think they went to a third game in the WCHA playoffs. And because Anchorage was right on the cliff on the tuck line, um, Wisconsin standed to gain more by losing the game because that would have kept Anchorage as yep. a team out of consideration than if they were to beat them. And that's, that's the sign where you have a broken uh, criterion if, you're, if you can gain by losing rather than winning. Yep. And I believe they did win the game. Wisconsin did. Uh, it still made the tournament. It wasn't like the difference between them making the tournament or not. But, but still, they, they worsened their pairwise ranking because of that win. Because of um, winning. So, but it still took them five, six years to get rid of the, tuck, the, the teams under consideration. And I think they also used to have the quality, or did they have the quality win bonus now? It's, every few years, they'll tweak the, uh, the formula. Now it seems to be a little streamlined, but as I just said, the uh, the overtime loss thing needs yeah. to be clean, cleaned up uh, as well. And I think there's even still a little bit of differences when you look at the pairwise between even publications. I know there was earlier. Obviously, there's still a lot of room for error when you have more or when you have less games to go off of, but I think a lot of the RPIs were just a little bit off. Um, when you were looking at like a, a show or CHN. And I wonder but, if that has something to do with the overtime calculation. Maybe one like, of them doesn't, yeah. doesn't factor it. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked, let's say, if us show forgot about that and, and they didn't implement that sort of 55-45 waiting in the overtime games. Not to throw us show under the bus, although I just did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there, there can be some, or maybe they're factoring in, you know, accidentally are factoring in shootout wins or something like that. I could see there being some uh, you know, mathematical flaws uh, here and there. So it, it is getting to the beginning of the new year, though, which means that we can actually look at it for, for realsies. For realsies. You know, yeah, we can, we can go into a little bit of the pairwise. Um, you know, we were talking about Michigan and World Juniors. You know, we could talk a little bit about uh, Pert, 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 who is was added to the team as a late addition. And, you know, by the end of the first game, uh, you know, got an assist and was even getting some uh, power play time um, on the squad. So, you know, Pierre's going to be out this weekend for uh, against Bemidji. But, um, you, know, uh, you know, this is a great tournament, wonderful experience for him. And I think we're kind of all in agreement when it comes to uh, this, this tournament in general and, and the exposure and, you know, overall what it does for players. I like it. It's always, it seems like every year I'm like, God, I wish I was more into the world juniors. I don't have the NHL network, which is generally the, the network that airs the games. So I always feel like a regret of me not being able to more closely follow it. I, I, that CHN podcast that I mentioned earlier, they had Starman on. He, he obviously is a, he's a world junior wonk. So I kind of, uh, he's, he's got a dictionary going. He'll, yeah, he'll he, tell you about the Velvet Divorce <laughs> in pretty much every World Juniors pot or uh, World Juniors the broadcast. Yeah, yeah so I kind of just let the uh, experts fill me in on on the ins and outs of it. Um, maybe I can see if I can stream a game here and there, um, or at least at least the uh, medal round or final final round. It seems to be one of those things that Canada is way more into it than the U.S. Yep. Um, 
but and being in Canada this year, um, I'm sure that's uh, going to heighten the atmosphere. Uh, we should say too, NHL recently announced that they uh, will not be sending their players to the Olympics, second straight Olympics. Uh, so there is a chance um, that now that the NHLers are out of the Olympics, there's a, a chance that some NCAA players could get a look for the team. Most likely it's going to be AHLers or players playing in the KHL. Um, I'm guessing that's going to be the bulk of the team are those type of players, but there's a chance like, they asked Makar in 2018. He declined. I wouldn't be surprised if the biggest name guys, maybe even some of these Michigan guys, which Ooh, there we go. They might have to cancel some games in February. Who knows? But a guy like power or a guy like Sanderson, um, could be asked to, uh, you know, some of those, these first, first round pick type of, uh, talent could be asked to, uh, to play on the roster. So that's a development. We're, we're not sure. Again, they, they just, uh, announced that last week or so. And, the Olympics start in February, so they got to put together a roster somewhat quickly here. Um, so that's a a development to keep our eye on if that is going to play any effect in the NCAA season, um, if there are going to be any players participating there. Um, but that's a possibility, so keep your eye on that. Yeah, and it's this weird kind of limbo that they had because they were originally going to go and then there was, well, we don't know with COVID and whatnot, and now it just officially is like, nope, we're not going to allow him to go at all. And, you know, they even said including Russia, which I don't know if Russia is still banned for these Olympics, if they're still competing under the um, Olympic athletes from Russia. <laughs> you know, not Russia, Russia team, which my wife uh, really gets a kick out of when it comes to especially figure skating. You know, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but what I always really hope for, and this is a little bit off topic, um, because we never really get to see, you know, best on best, so to speak, when it comes to, you know, talent in hockey. You know, really, the World Juniors is kind of the, the best we can do at that point, except, you know, some of the top players are playing in the, in the NHL. But I like the idea of having a World Cup. Um... I just wish that they would just do a World Cup, don't have any of these, you know, even though they are fun to have that, that young North America young team. That was a fun, fun thing. But I, I, I think the NHL, I mean, the owners don't really like the Olympics. I mean, taking three weeks off in the middle of a season is inconvenient. Um, even this time around, it was, you know, after they released the season schedule this year, very shortly thereafter, they're like, well, you know, we do have an alternate schedule that doesn't take the Olympic break. They weren't, they seemingly weren't 100% committed to going to the Olympics. And I mean, it, it, it makes sense uh, to have a almost month long break in your season isn't ideal. So something like an off season, uh, world cup would make sense it just they've tried they tried that in the 90s and i said they they revamped that again a couple of years ago maybe maybe it it happens here next year or in the, in the near future and it's a big success i i hope that it it is um but 
yeah, having uh, an international tournament uh, like this, um, I think would be would be great. Uh, it's just they never seem to to nail that format down. Uh, so interesting to see what how they approach it next time, or you know, if they're if they are gonna do another Olympic uh, NHLers in the Olympics in what twenty twenty six. Who knows? So it's it's uh I'm interested to see how that how that all shakes out. Yeah. Um you know, back to the World Juniors, I absolutely I I love the 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 tenacity. I love the endurance level. I love just how exciting the games can be. Um I feel like they're all incredibly incredibly fast-paced, incredibly fun to watch. It's just, I mean, burying them on NHL Network. I mean, you got to get these games in front of people. Uh, I'm surprised that ESPN hasn't stepped up. Um, even putting them on ESPN Plus, it would massively help their outreach to getting people to watch these games and getting the, the common audience to kind of to get a little bit of a flair and a little bit of a taste for incredibly exciting hockey. Because, you know, let's face it, the you know, best on best can be sometimes pretty boring because, you know, it's mistakes that generate the offensive chances. These players are incredibly talented, but they are still young and prone to make mistakes, which leads to really exciting hockey. And I just I just wish that uh, they can get that in front of people and and, and what. So, um, Hope Purit, uh still uh, is, is able to you know, kind of make a name for himself in this tournament. He's off to, you know, uh, a fairly good start going from a extra defenseman late add to getting a little bit more time on on, uh, special teams and whatnot. So so it's a great opportunity for him. Um, We'll be without him for the Bemidji series. So let's talk a little little bit about Bemidji um, kind of coming into this weekend here. Obviously, we still don't know about Henches and whether or not he's going to be back. Um, early reports from, um, oh my gosh, I almost said Monsko. Early reports from Lawson. Um, Lawson, still talking about Western Michigan. Just take over. Take, just, take a breath. Take a breath. Take a deep breath. Just, just regroup. I got to edit. I'll, I'll just edit all this out in post so it pretends oh, no. like I know what no, I'm keep talking it. about. Uh, Larson. Uh, you know, has said uh, a few weeks ago that you know he's kind of tailing back or is on track to get uh, back into the lineup for for the Bemidji series. So I'm sure you know that's uh kind of the main thing I'm gonna look forward to here. Yeah, it might be a little bit missed, but the way I think the defensive has played, you know, uh, so far this year, you know, we've been incredibly deep on, on that back end. So I don't think it's gonna hurt us a little. Uh, too much but i mean this is a non-conference series that uh st cloud has to show up for um it's a home and home we're in bemidji on friday home on saturday and um i just anything less than a sweep i think is is is, it's gonna make me have a few questions about this team um i don't want to say that bemidji is you know incredibly a push is a big pushover, but just looking at at where this team is and where I think this team should be, you know, these are the games that 
that St. Cloud has to win to really cement themselves as um, a, a force to be reckoned with throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they seem to, I mean, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, that Bemidji getting away a little bit from their style of extreme you know, defensive, physical kind of play, they, they're, they're able to stretch it out a little bit more and go for some more offense. I'm just seeing that, yeah, they gotta, they've had a decent run here so far in, in their conference play. Um, but playing teams like they, they just played uh, Bemidji their last series uh, and wasn't totally, it wasn't very, very competitive uh, versus the Mavericks. Five yep. to one loss, uh, which they were outshot three to one, uh, a ratio of three to one, and then they lost the Saturday game three to one. Shots there forty to seventeen in in, in favor of of Mankato, and you know just based on the fact that St. Cloud seemed to match up pretty good against Mankato earlier in the year, we're going to use that math and say that I think that that bodes well for the Huskies matching up well against Bemidji. Uh, in in this series, uh, going up to Mibinji is always tough, and as we mentioned, it's going to be a tough uh, back and forth uh, between a road trip with no travel day in between. Yeah, just not weird, not and ideal. And especially, I mean, Minnesota just got hit with, you know, Northern Minnesota got pummeled with about a foot really? of snow. Yeah. Um. So I don't maybe, know exactly. Maybe they should. Maybe they should cancel. Yeah, yeah a maybe, lot of wear and tear on the bus. <laughs> wear and, wear and, and tear the on the health bus. And safe, health and safety uh, and mental health of the bus driver. Too much wear and tear. Just out of abundance. It's out of an abundance of caution. <laughs> we could uh, um, be a little. But yeah, and like, you know, I, I also said on the previous podcast, it, I mean, Bemidji's a tough road trip because there's no easy way to get there. I mean, right. it's it's two lanes. I mean, once you get you know, past what little falls, you know, maybe a little bit more north, but still, um, you know, it's, you, you feel like you're on the road for about two hours and then you look, there's still three to go. And, you know, after a foot of snow, it could be, it could be worse. It, it, it's bizarre to me that it isn't like a Thursday, Saturday, or even a, a Friday, Sunday series with, with that day in between, but you no, know, I'm not, the, I'm not the scheduler, but, uh, but Mitchie's got, you know, their scoring is really led from their upper class with uh Sillinger uh kind of leading the way on that team. They've got uh, a couple guys that you know, are averaging a point a game. Like you said, they have been a little bit more offensive minded than, you know, kind of that uh trap uh kind of stack three people in front of the goalie, block shots and hopefully get a get a fast break and win two to one to So Part of that's it's, part of that's uh part of that's part of the or part of that is because they're playing team you know they get to play St. Thomas now racked up eleven goals against them on a weekend um, and so yeah the uh, the competition they're playing there isn't uh, isn't the best but yeah it's not it's not so much a two to one um, every game grind it out fifteen shots you know, and win a win a game like that. Less of a less of a style of play um, uh, than that is. Seems like they're playing a goalie uh, 
platoon. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a different goalie each night. They've been going between uh, Matthias Scholl and Gavin Enright, kind of splitting the work uh, fairly evenly. So it's possible that you could see uh, uh, you know, multiple goalies this weekend from Bemidji. But it's uh, like you said, I think it's a series that St. Cloud matches up favorably against. We hope that it's uh, it's rest and not rust with this long uh, three weeks off. Uh, but, you know, Bemidji has had the same amount of time off as well, so it kind of even, evens up the, uh, the rest for both sides there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the Huskies uh, starting the second half here on a, on a high note. Uh, there's, you know, second half, very few uh, weekends off. Pretty much, I just think, the one weekend off in February until the end of the year, really. And uh, you've got a lot of, after this weekend, it's Duluth. You have Denver later in the month. You got North Dakota later in the month. Very few uh, weekends where where you're playing a a team like Bemidji where you, you circle that opponent and say that, think that we should be able to handle them. So... Uh, yeah, you don't want to drop these games. Um, it's not going to ruin your season necessarily, but uh, important to, to make the statement early in the second half here, get off on the right foot as you're easing into the toughest part of your schedule. Uh, and so I'm, I'm confident, uh, and I would, yeah, I'm really expecting uh, or hoping, let's say, that Hinchis is healthy. Um, it's been... I mean, when's the last time he played? Was it the Gopher series? I, it's been at least two months, I think. Uh, so you'd really hope for this team to make a a deep run. You want to be obviously healthy, and Hentges is a, a big part of that when the team's going well. So I am really crossing my fingers that he is back this weekend. Um, and you know, with Pert out at the World Juniors, you know, gives a Gives the defensive core, you know, someone a chance to step up there in his Zemer. absence. Um, uh, Zemer. Um, yeah, we've, uh, and we've seen players like that step up in these situations. Um, the one thing that we've talked about a lot this year is that the defensive depth that the Huskies have is very impressive. So I'm not, although obviously it'd be great to have Pert there because he's really shown some improvement. Uh, since the beginning of the year and really kind of coming into his own, I think that the world juniors will only help his development. Um, so I'm, yep. I'm glad that he's getting that experience. Uh, but you know, he is one of your better defensemen. So it's, it's not ideal to not have him, but I'm confident that the uh, reinforcements uh, are there uh, and they're going to relish the opportunity to get some extra ice time. Uh, so yeah, let's, uh, let's get out there and let's say like a four to one, Four to one, like five to two weekend, something like that. I want to see some goals and I want to see some uh, some good defense. That's a good that's a good recipe, right? Goals yeah, and good defense. Usually, that uh, is kind of the key to winning. I, I would say just have those those two things. Last game that Hent just played was the first game against Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. So it hasn't. That was. That <laughs> I was, mean, that was Halloween weekend. I think that's uh, the week before Halloween, twenty uh, second. Yeah. yeah. So two months. You know, you know, without him, and he only played one game also against Mankato. So he's only played five games here this season. I don't want to, I don't want to question anybody, but 
I always wonder about, you know, somebody who's this injury prone and how much is drive, you know, and how much is actually him wanting to be out there or if he's just kind of going through the motions. I felt like if it was really him just going through the motions, he would have left after last year. So maybe that's not fair for me to say, but it's, I, I, I mean, for how often he's 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 on the IR, it's I don't I don't know just 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 something that has has crossed my mind. And maybe I mean, and we don't even show. we don't even know what the issue is. I mean, they don't have to tell us. Usually they no. just cut cut the body in half and tell us either upper upper body or lower body. I don't even know if they've said that. I mean, when he's played this year, he's looked very good. Mm-hmm. So it's not like anything is, is glaring that says, oh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, his uh, right leg is, is looking weak or something like that. It, I, I don't know. I don't know what the issue is. Uh, and the, and the if more... it's something and if it's something concussion related, I'm going to feel really bad <laughs> <laughs> that I just said that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd love to see him back out on the ice. Um, I do feel that adds so much more depth to our forward lines. A little bit of shuffling, but I think, you know, he's somebody that you kind of plug in on every line and instantly make that line better. So so I hope to see him out there. What I'm really looking forward is that I'm just hoping Cronilla is is done with all these stupid penalties and he starts, uh, you know, kind of thinking things through a little more level level headed and is able to kind of stay on the ice because just with how many penalty minutes he's amassed, I mean, he's a player we want on the ice. You know, we don't, I don't want him playing a Brodzinski type role. We already have one that's very effective. We don't need him to try to be something that he's not. And then obviously I want Miatnin to do better. So, yep, that's a big one. Uh, we've been going back and forth of, and it's mostly at this point been disappointment with him. I had that one Omaha game, pretty much stands out as the high watermark for him this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, as someone who was, you know, had a lot of hype coming into this year, uh, he's been a, he's been disappointing so far. So maybe, yeah, maybe the second half here is where he he really comes uh comes to to play. I, I hope so. Um, because, because yeah, like I said, it's going to be a grind the second half and especially if it's injury related with Hentius or you know, any of these players, you know, time of getting a lot of rest, a lot of weeks off. That's past us. That's gone uh, now. Yep. And, and now you're playing and we, we see with Michigan. I mean, how much of a grind playing two games in a row is, Back to well, you're back gonna have to do like that. that. You're gonna have to do that like ten out of the last eleven, next eleven weeks. I mean, I don't know how you do it. You're nah, maybe, your, you know, maybe send all the players to their fainting coaches because it's such a such a, a tough ask to play back to back games. But you know, this is <laughs> and what... this comes off the heels as we're talking about the home and home series being. Oh, they should have put an extra day. <laughs> I'm gonna get well, for that. Yeah, I you, because you don't want your bus going 60 miles an hour and hit a patch of uh, patch of ice and you go into Moose Lake. I mean that 
at least uh, Mankato and Duluth are they're putting a day in between uh, at least. Um, it's just it's it's uh, I I'm gonna I, I think it's a Saratory thing. I bet Saratory's just like no f that we're just doing it back to back. We want to keep it on a Saturday Sunday schedule. Something is Moose Lake. Is that on the way? Where is Moose? Lake? I don't know. I I've never even been. I've never been to Bemidji, so Moose Lake's up there, right? It's up in the northern, western, northwestern part of the state. Bemidji Lake. I think that's in Bemidji. <laughs> that, that's where the campus is, right? It's right on Bemidji Lake. I think you're right. Okay, it looks like actually all of our Duluth uh, faithful listening is yelling at their podcast right now. Uh, it's on 35 going up to Duluth is where Moose Lake is. Moose Lake is? Oh, uh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Leech Lake. Um, yeah, Moose Lake is the one that that's where like the state prison is. Yeah, that's right. Leech Lake. There's a couple of lakes in Minnesota. I can kind of get them mixed up. There's one or two. I can get them mixed up. Or 10,000. Leech Lake, I think, would be more in the Bemidji area. Don't fact check me on that, though. Yes, it is. Um, Yeah, Leech Lake would be, you know, somewhat on the way, depending on which way you go. And again, you know, which way do you go up there? Do you go up, you know, go to 71 and go up? Do you go up 371? I guess we could have just said the headwaters of the Mississippi. Driving in the Mississippi. Drive across the Mississippi. You, there you go. Did you ever walk across the Mississippi up there? We did. Is that's not that's that's not Bemidji. No, is that's it? Itasca, but it's. Well, what I, city is that? That was weird because Itasca County is not where Lake Itasca is. Uh, it's not even close to it. I don't think. Uh, I can't remember. I think Itasca Lake Itasca is south of maybe an hour or so um but yeah we did that as some sort of family trip when i was younger but that's all i that's all i remember we did we did walk across the mississippi though so let's uh switch gears here and uh head out to you know just kind of thoughts on the rest of the season you know we're at the midway point I know we promised all of our listeners a 16-team prediction. We're going to push that back to next week, um, you know, uh, just uh, with all of our schedules and whatnot and, and the holiday. Didn't get a chance to. Any uh, Christmas movie? Do you watch Die Hard? Oh, yeah. Uh, we watched Die Hard on, uh, I believe it was Christmas Day, um, as, as uh, Teresa and I watched, watched Die Hard. I didn't it's, watch any Christmas movies this year. Maybe every, I should like, like, anybody who says Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, it's... I only, I only, saw, it, I only yeah. saw it for the first time a couple years ago. And I really liked it. Uh, Same here. And I, I've always kind of avoided it. And mostly because I don't like Bruce Willis. I haven't, you know, going through a lot of his movies, I haven't really cared for I feel like Bruce Willis, Nicolas Cage, you know, just, they don't do it for me. Maybe they do it for some other people, but I'm, I wasn't doing it. But when I watched, watched Die Hard, it's, you know, obviously Alan Rickman um, you know, did a fantastic job. And him as, you know, the villain and, you know, how he is way different than any other types of villains as well. You know, he isn't. The menacing, crazy, off the wall, bombastic 
he's you know a lot more calm calculated you know stick to the plan you know on, until you know everything does kind of go awry he was um you know just the whole dynamic and and uh you know a lot of the nuance also in that movie it's ah uh, it's it, it's so good um, uh, you know, just kind of go through then uh rest of the season, uh, and just if you have predictions or thoughts, Firstweiler pretty much wrapped up Butch of the Year, I would say already. <laughs> if we want to go through awards and whatnot, I don't know. Uh, just kind of off the cuff, but it's... I think North North Dakota's played better than I expected. Um, I'm not gonna say that Barry is Coach of the Year or anything, but we in our previews episode we were kind of like you know they lost a ton of guys and we are we we're kind of thinking the driscoll is going to be their stud and he's kind of been disappointing yeah he is but but i mean they're number one in the conference right now they played they played two extra games in the huskies and i think a lot of the conference played just eight so that lead they have is a little deceptive because the game game total i guess they play the same amount of games as as western uh, both had 10, and they have a six-point lead on them. But uh, Denver, Duluth, St. Cloud, Omaha, yeah, everyone else has just played eight. So, uh, But they have a nice uh, six-point lead right now on Western. I think it might come down to uh, North Dakota and Denver. Denver also has impressed me. Um, maybe I'm jumping on uh, Shossman's bandwagon yeah, there you go. with them. The uh, thing there is... Um, North Dakota and Denver don't play any, don't play each other anymore. They only play the one series, which Dakota swept. That might come in handy for them at the end of the season. Looking at Denver's schedule, looks like they got a little bit of an easier run. They only play St. Cloud once this year. Uh, they they got six games left against Miami and CC. Now again, they do have to make up some ground, even with the. Uh, extra and, game that Dakota's played, but I think I might come down to those two. Because yeah, we had mentioned and four West, games and four games against Oma. So which I mean, they which they typically handle them pretty well. Yeah, um yeah. but I mean if I can pull it up quickly, I don't feel the recent games between Denver and Omaha have been particularly kind to Omaha. Um, they they won a couple of games last year. I think maybe an overtime win in there. Uh, but they they went on some like fifteen game losing streak against them not too long ago, a few years ago. Uh, Denver has dominated the series. Uh, yeah, a lot I, of 2016, 17, 18, 19, and it wasn't until twenty twenty one where they had a win. So they went through many years without a. And I'm pretty like, sure last, so. at least last year, one or two of their wins were in overtime. Uh, one was in overtime, five to four okay. overtime. Uh, their other win was a five to two. So I would, I like Denver and Dakota for the uh, duking it out for the Penrose. As we mentioned, Western goes through that just uh, gauntlet of a schedule coming up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, with you know, this is all in a row: Dakota, Duluth, Saint Cloud, Denver, Dakota. Uh, and all all in a seven week stretch, six or seven week stretch. Um, so they're gonna really, I mean, if they win the Penrose, they're gonna earn it. Uh, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, and you know, maybe they get a bit of a break not having to play Michigan. Um, getting to kind of rest up and 
and uh, fire at uh, at the rest of the conference with uh, all cylinders, not having to play the gaunt and the uh, the best team ever uh, at Michigan. But um, right. but they're kind of, and maybe this is unfair to them, but I mean, they haven't really proved proven to be the kind of team, especially in the second half of the year, to uh, you know continue on and and make a stretch run like this. And I mean, have they? They've hosted. They've hosted a couple of uh, first round series in the in the league, but not not too many. And I don't think they've been higher than fourth. So, just as uh, history would would show us, uh, they've they've got to break that trend in order to to really prove it. Uh, and they look very good this year. Um, obviously, they've been very impressive. But uh, they're a team that still is not quite on that level of of the the perennial powerhouses um so maybe this year is the year that they change that but uh i'm gonna stick with uh that dakota denver kind of twosome battling it out and you know and yeah. maybe i'm sleeping on the huskies but uh i would have let's say i, I would have felt a lot better their chances of winning penrose if they would have beaten dakota that saturday game they would have completed that sweep that would have been huge yeah They've really got to either do something like that, go up to Grand Forks and sweep them, or go out to Denver and sweep them, and that's not an easy task. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's... yeah, and they only play one. You know, Saint Cloud only plays one series against uh, Miami this year. They've got one more series against CC, so home series against both those teams in the second half. But save for that, pretty tough schedule down the stretch. So. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I, I think the Huskies are going to make the tournament, which I am most, that's what I'm mostly concerned, you know, that's what I mostly am uh, concerned about. Uh, but as far as, you know, I, they still got to prove something to me to, to make me believe that they can make a deep run in the postseason. Um, yep. Looking at the uh, schedule here for Western Michigan, uh, they, they had the series uh, against Omaha on the 10th and the 11th here of December, where they did split. Uh, then they have one game against Michigan State. That's on Wednesday. And then, yeah, they don't play until CC on the 14th. 15th. So they, that's uh, that 7th and 8th uh, weekend there. That, that, that's, they've, got, they've got that off. Uh, so that's where they definitely get the rest before they kind of run into that gauntlet, like you said, you know, after that CC series where it's... I think you, you missed one says here that December 30th they're playing at Michigan? No. That's not happening. That's not happening. No. I don't know. Maybe we could talk about that. Maybe the next week's podcast we could talk we, about that. We, we could talk about that. See if uh, maybe uh, they did a JKLOL and whatnot. So I, I agree with your assessment and I, I, I agree that I, I'm a little more I'm inclined to say Denver is going to be kind of the team that's going to reign supreme at the end. I think they're just, uh, they're playing too well, and they have less question marks, I believe, than North Dakota does. Um, You know, Driscoll has been disappointing for them. I don't see him turning it around. And I, I think as the games kind of wear on and he's going to be leaned on a little bit more, and I don't think he's going to rise to the occasion. And uh, that's where I think uh, Denver is going to be able to kind of pull away. And, um, 
I'm excited to see what Western Michigan does as far as, you know, teams that are not St. Cloud State. Uh, but it's interesting also that both of us are kind of meh on Duluth. And uh, where we don't really see them at least vying for a Penrose. Obviously, they, when it comes to the tournament time, yeah, they don't. They don't win Penroses. They they win national titles. <laughs> so um, I expect them to be third or fourth in the conference, and then probably be in the Frozen Four. You can probably book it right now. Yeah, and and that's that's where it's kind of interesting. Where it, that might be. I mean, that would be a fun series if it's Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud State. You know, as uh, a trip on the line to the to the uh, frozen face off but you know that's kind of where i'm looking at things shaping up right now and whether it's here or it's at st cloud or if it's at amsoil uh but that's that's going to be a, a real real slugfest still think too that there's and we'll get into this next week when we predict the field NCAA field, but I still think there's going to be five teams in the conference I agree. to make the NCAAs, which means that someone is losing in the first round of the playoffs and still making the tournament. Um, and so, which is certainly possible, the conference has gotten in six teams before, which means that two teams uh, lost their playoff series and still made the tournament. Uh, so, I definitely would, and so yeah, who's ever going to be that four or five series? Um, that might have a lot of implications, not only with frozen faceoff, but also NCAA jockeying. Then you got Omaha too, or we're both sleeping on them. And I think they're the sixth team out of that group. You know, the, the, the team that's going to be outside looking in that Western game that they won one, nothing game on Saturday at Western's yep. big, big win for them because it's uh I would say their biggest win this year from a pairwise RPI perspective. Uh, certainly possible. I mean, if the season's over now, I guess, yeah, it's not the third, not January 1st yet, but right now they're, they're in pairwise position to make the tournament. So they certainly are uh, a possibility to make the tournament, but in, in the same sense as Western, um, you know, Omaha is one of those programs that just hasn't done enough to convince me that they're, they're a proven product. Um, and, you know, when the Huskies played them, even though they, they, they lost that Saturday, that Saturday game uh, in, in, in overtime, right? Being ranty about that. Uh, I was not terribly surprised. And I know that they weren't at full health for that series, but I wasn't terribly impressed with them. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, second half because... As the teams that we said, the, let's say the top five teams, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would be surprised if, uh, if the Huskies, uh, were to win the Penrose, but not, not terribly surprised. I mean, any one of those top five teams, you jumble them up in any sort of order and it wouldn't really surprise me very much. So, I, if the Huskies win the pairwise, I, I'd be really, surprised. they're going to have to go. Yeah. They would have to go on a, on a serious run, but Right now, they're at Yetnan. Yetnan would have to heat up. Uh, Cronulla would need to stop taking stupid penalties, and Henchesty would need to play. Those things can happen. I mean, that's not to- totally out of the out of the ordinary. Uh, it's certainly possible, but you know, they're at they're at seven in Paralyze right now. Huskies are, and that's where they were last year come tournament time. And so maybe that's a maybe that's a good little 
honey hole for them. Good spot in the pairwise for them to, to sit at, you know, good omen. not, not, not be the number one, not be a number one seed. We know how that goes. With the Huskies. Um, but you know, God, you be s- the number one seed a uh, couple of times and they never let you two. forget it. and three as a number one seed in the tournament. Cause we can't forget about the Ferris Appen state game, even though they weren't number one overall that year. Um, as that number two seed, a little sneaky number two, I, I like their chances better, I guess. But uh, I just, yeah, I'm just think, excited to see some good, some good hockey. Yeah, for for Omaha, I think it's going to really be dependent on Chase Primo if he's healthy, um, whether or not they can slide into that number four uh, slot in the in the conference. Um, and their goaltending, their goaltending too. I mean, watched. Watch that Western series, and Seville looked very beatable on Friday, but then pitched a shutout on Saturday. So, kind of be yeah, a Jekyll he's and Hyde so, character. He's so streaky. So and and as we said, we've we've seen good things out of Roden, and he's given they've given him some more starts. Um, but it's still clearly Seville's job to lose. So I mean, they, a lot of times uh, you go as far as your goalie does, uh, and. Yeah, yeah, it's possible uh, that he stands his head for a couple of months and, and they, they make a run into tournament yeah, what's position. The saying, what's the saying? Show me show me a good goalie and I'll show you a good coach, I think is the saying. That's kind of what there it comes go. down to. So, um, yeah, I think actually any of the questions that we had were actually already addressed. Um, Did we this... want to mention, I know, I know we, we talked earlier earlier before the show that uh it's about a month old now but uh commissioner josh fenton nchc commissioner fenton oh, that's is, right. did announce his uh his leave uh at the end of the year correct mm-hmm. uh, so he's going to be the uh the conference commissioner of the summit league yep which is a, a full d1 all sports conference which includes North Dakota, Denver, Omaha, in the NCHC, and then also St. Thomas. That's where St. Thomas is playing basketball and a lot of their other sports, volleyball, I think. And yeah. they're not, it's not their pretty football much, conference. Yeah, pretty much all I don't, their main sports except football. Uh, yeah, Summit League is not a football league. They don't no. have football. Um, no. But all basketball, those, those teams usually play if they do have football because Omaha doesn't have football. I don't think Denver, Denver does doesn't. not. Nope. So Dakota, they play, Dakota does. Yeah, they play in the Missouri Valley. Okay. Football conference. That so that's where like North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, South Dakota State. Yeah, and obviously with that came a lot of rumors I saw on Twitter. People speculating, what does that mean for the history of hockey? You know, does that mean, you know, more conference reshuffling with, you know, some more of the summit teams adding hockey? Um, so, and, and, and whatnot, I, I don't like to speculate on any type of conference or realignments or BS or whisperings or anything like that. I don't feel like I'm in the know and I've already been through all that crap once. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, Fenton has done, um, I, I think a wonderful job overall with the conference. Um, you know, he was kind of brought in as, you know, he wasn't the founder of the conference, or he wasn't the first. Well, he, he was not the first commissioner. Yeah. It, which is yeah. an interesting, people probably forget that. The first guy they hired, Jim Shear, I think was his name. 
he was a, a guy that worked for the Olympic Committee. That's how he got the job, and he quit before they started the they actually started playing hockey in the conference. I think he was there for the first year. Founded the conference in the summer of 2011. I think they hired him like beginning of 2012. Uh, and then he had he was done before 2013 started, and the, and the conference officially launched in the fall of 2013. So Fenton was hired somewhere late 2012, early 2013, as a guy from Miami. He was like their assistant AD, and didn't really know much about him. Um, and knowing that conference had already gone through one commissioner before they even started play was kind of an inauspicious uh, position to take. It's always kind of weird. It's tough to, uh, what do you judge a conference commissioner as? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you judge their tenure and what are they, what's their main role? And I think his main role in, in general, the, the, at least the hockey conference commissioners in college hockey is, is be a cheerleader for, for the conference, and, and importantly, I think Fenton will probably point to the national TV package, getting that lined up with CBS Sports Network. Um, because if you ever want kids. your first period to be bumped by an overtime yeah. basketball game. And probably one of those Missouri Valley uh, <laughs> hotly contested matchups. Yeah, we can make jokes cbs sports network isn't cbs let's say or espn or something like that but from what it was i mean remember in 2013 and also the nchc tv which was pretty revolutionary at the time you remember i mean yeah we've since had this flow hockey come up and espn plus is not doing ecac games but i mean i we've talked about this i remember 10 years ago wcha days going on schools' websites and paying 10 bucks yeah. a pop for a game to stream a choppy, you know, who knows what kind of quality video you're getting in, in those days. So being able to, you know, launch a, a service like the NCHC TV, which has now has some copycats in other leagues, um, I think that's a big feather in his cap. Um, so as far as like who's going to take over, I mean it's again it generally goes to like ADs or you know, people in the athletic departments of of certain schools. Um, I I have no idea who's going to take over, but I and you got to think the next guy is going to probably preside over a, a next sort of run of either expansion of the conference or. Shuffling. I mean, we've heard, we've always heard rumors of, you know, uh, Western and Miami are kind of these outliers in the conference. And people are saying that the CCHA may, might work better for them geographically. I know that sounds like Western is more happy in the NCHC than Miami is. Um, we don't know if those are going to be a package deal. What's going to happen to Arizona State? Um, yeah, there's just and too many things for me to even wrap my head around to speculate. We got programs like Augustana, which are coming in. Um, what happens with them? And you so, never know about Illinois. You know that Illinois that one uh, hockey uh, Twitter account has been peddling uh, Illinois for about ten years and trying to sell it still. And I mean, even uh, I mean here in Tucson, 
University of Arizona just announced that they're getting a 3,000-seat arena on campus for U of A. And they're and. a very... They're a very popular uh, club team. I, I want to check them out sometime. And very, they've won some national titles at the you know, D1 club level. It would, I mean, you got you to gotta built and rival with, with Arizona State moving into their new complex next year. Well, and, and then yeah. also we saw, um, I don't know if you uh, saw, but UNLV uh, tweeted that's been out. A, yeah, that's been a rumor for, for some years now, too. Yep. They well, they actually tweeted out something big is coming with a hockey stick. So, oh, really? Yeah. So that's uh, yeah. So you have an, these 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 potential dominoes, um, which which was always kind of the hope I would guess when Arizona State came in is that you would get a lot of these other um uh, schools kind of in this area to kind of pop up with 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 hockey teams to to get some more traction and obviously grow the game. Cause that's, you know, you I know. hope Arizona, I mean, Arizona, I mean, there's, there's, if you have a 3000 seat arena, that's basically what CC built. I mean, 3000 seat arenas, I mean, that's a bunch of buildings out East. Most of the Atlantic hockey schools have smaller rinks than that. Uh, and so like, uh, I mean, if they can look at Arizona state and say, we can make that fly as much as they did having a lot of travel from their perspective and no conference having that as a package deal might make it easier for certain conferences to get in. I, for some reason, you know, with Arizona state, you know, they played at the big 10 last year, uh, for the COVID year. For me, it seems like that probably is the most logical place for them. Even though I hate saying that because even with, I mean, with the big 10 getting Notre Dame in that showed, it very clearly that the big 10 hockey conference was a mistake. The whole point was we want our own conference. Well, then you don't, you don't add affiliate numbers at that point. Um, and so I thought that was a sign of the failure of that conference. If you need to, if you need to to throw a bone to other non big 10 members, and I know, you know, Notre Dame is its own. They're a unique little precious bunny that everybody wants, um, because they're Notre Dame. So maybe it's a unique case, but from this from the standpoint of the NCHC, I think the one thing that they not like even to, their college football coach likes Notre Dame. Yeah, that's true, and he'll affect a Southern accent whenever he he bolts for sunnier pastures. Um, but the NCHC, they like to say that the conference is built of members where hockey is the number one school. I think you could say that about everybody except those two MAC schools. Western and Miami, who they're, yeah, they, they both made bowl games this year as football programs. And yeah, you can make jokes about the Mac, um, but it's not the same as North Dakota. Definitely. Hockey is the number one uh, sport there. St. Cloud, the same Denver. Okay. They won a, they won a national title at, uh, in lacrosse in, in the last few years, but I would like to think that hockey is their traditionally their number one sport. CC obviously it's the only sport they play at the D1 level, uh, and so having uh having schools like Arizona State, where hockey is definitely not the number one school, doesn't seem to mesh so well with the conference vision, if that is the vision, with the NCHC, where I think that 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 fits better in the Big Ten, 
where all those schools know that it's their football and hockey is 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 king uh and and hockey is at best the third uh biggest men's sport uh, on campus so from a from a hockey importance standpoint it feels like they make the most sense there plus the, like i said they had the trial run last year and i don't think that they would have been so willing to do that if they weren't also willing to entertain the fact of them being a full hockey member at some point. Again, if something like uh, Arizona comes along and uh, University of Arizona comes along and announces that they're going to go D1 too, um, then you really start to get some momentum as far as a West, a true Western league. I mean, we're, we haven't even mentioned, I mean, Alaska Anchorage is coming back next year. Who knows how long that is going to last. Um, uh, Robert Morris just uh, announced that they're officially getting, they're officially coming back, which I think is in 2023. I don't think it's next year, but I think it's in 2023. Again, who knows how long that's going to last. Huntsville said that it's raised the money to come back, but that they're not going to make that official until they get into a conference, which they've basically tried to get into every conference they can. And everyone said, no, thanks. So who knows if that's going to be a a thing. So there is, it feels like there is another domino stream of dominoes coming here um, where it could all just be reshuffled again, Yeah, which I don't think would be very good for the sport. I think stability is best. Um, but as far as adding teams here and there, you know, going from the NCHC an eight team team to a 10, 10 team league might make some sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, so whoever is going to be the new commish, not only did I think Fenton lay a good groundwork um, for whoever is going to come next, the next guy is going to have to, you know, make some tough decisions as well and also keep the momentum going. Yeah. You know, the, the, the conference has been going so well as far as from a national success standpoint, national titles, and then you got the TV deals, the streaming package, and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's... That's not guaranteed. So uh, I, I, I uh, wish them good luck, whoever it is that's going to come on next. Uh, but we did want to mention that because that's somewhat old news. I think it was about a month ago that he announced that. But, um, yeah, maybe that's another off-season kind of topic of what's going to happen with the conference in the future. And once we hear of who is hired to that position, I guess we can comment on it then. But we did want to throw that out there. Uh, before we left jeff finger for commissioner that's that's my pick yeah there you go i i like that commissioner figure last question that i've got for you uh that i'm thinking about it here uh one game bemidji 607 time uh is is what the, the puck drop is on friday are you are you paying a month of flow sports are you gonna watch it i was thinking about that recently i don't think so I'm just gonna listen to it. Thirty bucks for one game. Something. Maybe. Uh, is it six? Yeah, it's fuck. Yeah, it's six o'clock. Earlier that's, start too. That's actually kind of my thought process about it, and it's you know I've got you know three kids, a four, and a set of twins. You know that that's running right up to bedtime, and. And, you know, Andrew and I, a little bit of inside information here is 
you know, we're normally not able to get together to podcast until 8.30 because, you know, my daughter Clara likes to, you know, uh, take her time going to bed. Sometimes she busts in on the conversation, indeed. Comes in and says, Daddy, what are you doing? Can I play with the microphone? Please, man. Go to bed. Um, But it's, so, you know, if it was a 7.30 start, you know, maybe you know, my wife could take over bedtime with Claire, could put the twins down, I could be able to watch it. But six six o'clock, you know, game's halfway over. So I don't know if I could justify, you know, thirty bucks for half the game on, on, on Friday. So I'm probably probably gonna be a no go for me, which is, you know, kind of feel like a missed opportunity for full sports. You know, you tr- you try to Get them for only a one yeah. month and still try to say, oh, look at all the other great content that you can watch. But, I mean, the long and short of it is you care about your teams. I mean, that's kind of, you know, maybe you'll I'd, hear I'd in pay, a little bit. but I'd pay 10 bucks for one game. I'd probably pay 15 bucks for one game. Yeah. But 30 bucks is, is a little tricky. So, if yeah, you make a one-day pass, 24-hour pass. For ten bucks, name your price. Put, you know, like I said, I'd pay probably up to fifteen bucks. Thirty's a little pushing it. Uh, we'll see. I might, I might go ahead and do that, but I doubt it. I, I you know, and I've, I've liked what I've heard from uh, my KVSC. boy uh, Tyson. Yeah, and so. so I hope that maybe they're doing the game, and I can put my faith in them, and and they can uh, provide the entertainment for the night. Sure. So, fair thing. No, I'm, I'm right with you on that one. I'll probably listen in as well. I can I can listen into the earbuds while I'm when I'm when I'm putting them down. But when uh, Cronella takes a bad penalty and I can try to swear under my breath while yeah. the while Claire's yeah. not listening. So freaking yeah, so. Well, that about does her. So uh thank you so much for uh tuning into the podcast. And uh we'll hopefully talk about a husky sweep. And uh yeah, so that's it. Until next time. Go Huskies! Woo!